Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is around 9.45 a.m. Wednesday, January 26th. We're about a week away, exactly a week away from National Signing Day and going to be a busy time, obviously, for the 2022 recruits. But it's also been a busy time, uh, especially down here at Miami with the uh, with the future. Mario Cristobal has taken over, hosted his first uh, Elite Prospects Day and I wanted to bring on two guys who <clears throat> know the state as good as anybody uh, as far as recruiting and do an excellent job uh, covering that as well on a podcast uh, with Charles Fishbein and Corey Long. Those are the two guys on our show today. Um, Fish has been working uh, here in, in state for, I don't know, 20 years doing this recruiting stuff for Elite Scouting Services, his company. And then Corey uh, started off with ESPN, and now he's with uh, Walter Football. Uh, he's also the Tampa Bay Lightning correspondent for NHL.com. Guys, first of all, thanks for coming on uh, and, and doing this with me. Right, yeah. Of course. Always glad to be here. We, we've covered many state championships together, uh, hung out um, lots of different places over the years. And I want to start this, this particular episode with – a guy who is a friend to all of us, that's Larry Bluestein. And, um, you know, we've known now for a couple of weeks, Larry's been <clears throat> fighting for his life, um, battling, you know, severe COVID-19 and, you know, being a, a transplant recipient, uh, you know, years ago uh, for a kidney, it kind of puts him in a precarious position fighting this thing, but uh, he's overcome a lot in his life. And I wanted to start off talking about Larry just because of how much I know all three of us care about him. Um, Charles, you've spoken to his uh, family a couple times and, and checked in. And, and obviously, I've been checking in with Harold Cole as well, who, who's put up the, uh, you know, uh, GoFundMe page for uh, Larry, you know, raised over $50,000 already uh, from people just donating all over the place for, for him and what he's done as far as helping kids get into college and, and just the great guy that he is. I'm curious, Fish, what's some of the, the latest maybe you've heard regarding him as we record this today? I know that they've been trying to get him, um, you know, off of uh, off the machine and, and get him breathing on his own. Uh, any any new updates for us? Yeah, you know, I, I really haven't heard much more than you. I mean, it's been, you know, relatively they've kept most of the information uh, tight lipped about, you know, his condition and where he's at. Um, you know, I think, you know, the further we get down the road, it's better for Larry, you know, you know, that he, you know, the longer he is able to, you know, um, stay, you know, fight through it, you know, fight, you know, he's, he's showing fight and that's a positive. And, um, you know, I, I keep praying that, you know, he'll, he'll make it through this. So, yeah. And, and, and Corey, you know, I remember when we were doing the, the Friday night football magazine, I would I would chip in with Miami Dade and Broward capsules every year, and 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 
Larry would do sort of the whole state, like all these these player rankings for years and years and years. And you you were, of course, part of that uh, team with the Friday Night Football magazine. But you've known Larry much longer than that. I'm sure, you know, you, you've got some good Larry stories and, and, and ways to sort of express to our listeners just what a great guy this this guy is. Yeah, I mean, my um, my 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 heart was really, you know, really touched when I saw the GoFundMe, saw all the people that I knew that donated, the people that I didn't know that donated, um, and just all the people, you know, he's done so much uh, for so many kids in the state that it was it, it was really it was really nice to see that you know all that all that work wasn't forgotten. All that effort wasn't, uh, it wasn't for naught. And uh, I know he's continuing to battle. He's a, he's a big Los Angeles Rams fan, always has been, because uh, he's a West Coast guy originally. People don't know that. And, uh, you know, so I'm, uh, the Rams won this weekend. I'm like, hey, you know, I hope, I hope the Rams are giving him some energy. I know he wants to probably, you know, see him back in the Super Bowl one more time. So, uh, you know, I just – I just want him to get better. I really do. I haven't, I haven't seen him in a while, obviously because of COVID, different things. But I couldn't imagine going. You know, when I when I get, especially when I get down to South Florida, uh, where my parents live, and, and I go to games and not seeing him there, and it was, it's great. You know, every I don't talk to him as much as we used to uh, in general, but you know, it's the same thing when I talk to him. It's just right away that. The guy never stops. It's just like I remember calling him because he was uh he's on this this uh Bally Sports Network show. And I just, you know, it's like, hey man, it's cool. I'm happy they're they're giving you some shine. And, you know, right away he goes into yeah, you know, I was at I was at practice this week. I went to I went to two games Friday, Thursday afternoon, and two games Thursday evening, and I came back, you know, and he's like he's hitting me. He's like, Yeah, I saw I saw 18 schools this weekend. I was like, how? You know how, man. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I can barely get the, I can barely get the high school game a month right now. And you're like, eighteen. I've seen eighteen different schools, and that was the way it was. I remember fish, uh, you know, fish relaying me a story. You know, you have your uh, high school media days down there, and you know, there are a lot. Broward and Dade County are very large places for those of you outside of those areas. Like they're very large. They have about what 65 high schools in each county, somewhere there about. Yeah. And he's sitting there, he knows every coach's name, he knows players from every school. He's giving all of these kids, you know, kids from tiny schools, very you know, the, the attention as if they were at a big school. And I I just I I from a from just a journalistic standpoint, I really appreciate the amount of preparation and research that he does, and the the genuine care that he puts behind. So I'm just, you know, it was it's been tough to hear this news. Uh, it's been very, but you know, very encouraging to hear that he's uh he's he's staying in the game, and that that doesn't surprise me. He's a he he going he's not going anywhere without a fight. Guarantee that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so many, so many great memories. You mentioned the, those Dolphin media days. I wrote a story for The Athletic kind of describing that scene, how the rest of us, you know, beat reporters would run off to follow the big time kids. And Larry would stay there 
you know, like you said, talking to every single high school, just because he didn't want the kids to come up to the podium and nobody ask a question, you know, he didn't want the kids to feel that rejection of, Hey, you know, you're whatever school and you're 0 and 10, <laughs> you know, for, for, for all these years and nobody cares about your school. Larry did Larry, Larry wanted every kid to feel special at every single one of those uh, dolphins media days. And I can tell you, you know, from talking to him two years ago when this pandemic first started, right. He, you know, he was obviously trying to take care of himself, protect himself from this, knowing his health situation and staying at home, as he said, uh, cleaning his, you know, making sure there was no dust in his house whatsoever for a hundred something days before, before he finally left and started going out to, to high school events again. And uh, so I know he, 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 you know, like you said, he's a fighter and, and we all want to see him back out there. Fish, you, you guys have a special relationship in my mind. You guys live maybe 10 minutes away from each other. Uh, what are some of the stories when you think about Larry that, that come to mind? I just, you know, I had the opportunity. I, I actually met him the first time I had, I had gone to a high school football game at Traz with Willie Williams. And like Larry looked at, you know, he didn't know me at the time. He like looked at me like, who's this guy hanging out with the top player in the state and this and that. And, you know, I'm trying to make my mark. Larry's already made his mark. And, um, you know, you had to get, my thing was, you know, you had to get in with as many of these top players and know who they were. So you could report on them. And I think some of the work that I did has changed the overall business of um, recruiting and how people handle these kids and everything. But uh, me and Larry became very good friends and, and, you know, just a lot of the things I learned in this business come from experience of being around him and how uh, he deals with head coaches and how he deals with the actual prospects. Um, Cause Larry is going to tell you, Hey, listen, this, this is what I believe. And, He's opinionated on things just like we all are. And he's going to tell you, Hey, this is what you're doing, right. What you're doing wrong. He would, he kind of guided me through the business, especially early on. And I remember he had wrote a story about me um, and that I came from down here in Palmetto and what, like there was a lot of similarities uh, in our two lives. I was just a younger version. I mean, I still have people when I go out to games, they're like, Hey Larry, what's up? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm fish. You know, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> They think I'm Larry. It's the funniest thing. And coaches are like, oh, man, I, I, I'm sorry, Fishman. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, you, you brought it up, though. Um, the funny thing about Larry is, like you said, you brought it up in your Atlantic um, or athletic article is um, the story where we were at your house and um, uh, Corey wasn't there. I, I Corey, the reality is um, Manny still has not done another podcast breakdown of high school prospects after that because the segment took like four hours just just one segment on this one district that had like goldman westland hialeah like larry basically said each one of the four schools you would have thought like these four teams were fighting for a state championship and i don't think any of the teams have won a game in like three years and larry would make those kids like he would focus on something he'd find a bright spot and you know, you know, Manny and I would joke about it, but we all, it's the one name that always stands out is Ed Pache. Like Ed Pache, <laughs> if you're out there and you're hearing this podcast, you are famous because of Larry Bluestein. Like somebody's going to get one day, somebody's going to hand Ed Pache's kid an article or like that Florida night magazine that he was pointed out as the key player of that Coral Park football team. And it was all Larry. 
And we couldn't get through this segment because I'm like, Ed Pache, Larry, are you serious? I've never heard of this kid. He's like, oh, no, he's really good. He's got good length. I mean, he was breaking them down like Mel Kuyper on like his NFL draft day. And like, you know me, I'm the clown of the group. These guys couldn't do I had to go in the other room. Because they were laughing so hard, you know, and they're like, dude, fish, like, we can't do these with you anymore. I mean, we have like a hundred of these. We got to do. I mean, we had to do like it was an all day thing. Yeah. I've never broken down that many high schools. And Larry literally went through every one. And I'm like, God bless you, man. You're better than me. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, when, uh, go ahead. Well, you know, when I when I was putting together, you know, I, I did. FNF magazine originally it was called uh, Florida Football Magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, I started that. We started in 2006, I believe. Mm-hmm. So when I got there in April, when I left by my newspaper to go there, there were you know obviously there were a lot of decisions to make. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? But when it came to Larry, there was never never a question of the guy that I wanted to kind of carry the water in terms of really being a you know, be, being the primary guy, the guy that, you know, and somebody that I felt was, you know, had the credibility across the state to do what he, to, to, to do that job. And, and, that, and that's the reason why I knew I, I never had, I never had to worry about his knowledge. Like that was never a concern. I knew he was going to know things about everybody, every school. I mean, well outside, well outside of South Florida. I remember going to a, you know, going to like some seven on seven in Ocala with them. And there's this school, Trenton. And I couldn't tell you where Trenton, Florida is. I could tell you where Trenton, New Jersey is because my aunt lived there. But I couldn't tell you where Trenton, Florida is. And he goes, oh, that team's going to win state this year. I'm like, where are they? Like, where are they located? (laughs) They're going to win what state? What state are they going to win? And should lo and behold... Sure enough, fish. You know, you know. By the end, see, we're sitting there at the. Uh, I guess it was like one A or two A or whatever they were in. We're watching them just steamroll some team, uh, some poor team out like Port St. Joe or somebody. They're beating them by like sixty. And Larry's like, "I told you, I told you back in March they were gonna." Yeah, and it's just it's it's an uncanny knowledge that he has. He just the guy knows the guy knows so much. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? It wasn't just limited to football and high school football. I mean, Larry grew up loving baseball. I know his dad was involved in it, obviously, with the, with the Giants, he told me. And, you know, obviously got involved in high school sports in the 1970s. But this guy was an encyclopedia for, for many oh. different sports, man. Like, Wrestling. I, oh, he loves oh wrestling. Uh, he loves high school. Listen, high school I told wrestling, him, yes. he's like, Fish, you got to come to state championships with me in high school wrestling. I said, listen, Larry, you really want me to get divorced. Like, <laughs> I go tell my wife I'm going to watch, you know, boys at tights this weekend. We're in trouble, man. You know, like I could get away with the football like 75, 80 percent of the year. But I'm like, hey, listen, man, if I tell her I'm going to friggin' Lakeland to watch the or wherever they have the state championships in wrestling, she's my bags will be on the front porch when I get home. So, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that was a, cause I, you know, I lived in, you know, I, I lived in Lakeland for a long, and the state wrestling was in Lakeland for a long time. And I would always, you know, always see him at the wrestling tournament, um, always there, always doing something. A lot of times they had him for the earlier, for the not, for the, for the first two days, he was doing a lot of the announcing, 
a lot of helps with the brackets. Like, oh, that was the thing. He's not just there watching and taking notes. Like, he's hands-on. You need mm-hmm. help putting together, you need help, you know, you know, you know, filling in the brackets and printing them out. He's there. You need help announcing, he's there. Help with the weigh-ins, he's there. I'm like, when do you sleep, bro? Like what nah, he, he 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 honestly, when it comes to wrestling, he'll 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 be like, Oh, fish, man, you should see you should see this kid in 1992, how good of a wrestler. He he was in high school when you were in high school, and you guys should be friends. And I, I'm like, dude, I like honestly, I I wasn't very well liked in high school, man. I don't know if this kid <laughs> not that I'm like now, but I'm like, dude, I don't think this kid liked me too much. And well, too, if he was a wrestler, I'm staying away from him. <laughs> I remember when I when I first sort of left the high school beat, I went to go cover the Marlins with Clark Spencer for the Herald. And I was covering, you know, this is back when Hanley Ramirez was still with the Marlins. And, you know, they had just drafted guys like Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton and Jose Fernandez and all that kind of these are before these guys were anything. And I remember one day, you know, calling uh, Blue, just something high school football. I was working on something else. And he says, how are the Marlins looking? And I'm like, uh, you know, the Marlins, they stink. They're always terrible, right? And he says, no, man. He says, yeah, I really like the, the kid they drafted, this Yelich kid. You know, he's supposed to go to Miami and and this Jens Carlos. And he just starts talking about all these minor league baseball players. And I'm just like, I'm like, where the hell does this guy store all this knowledge? Like, where does he have like a computer he just goes to? And he, and he because how can you remember all of this and be so into all this stuff? But that's Bluestein. Like, it's just. He's he's just a wealth of knowledge between the history and even sports that you didn't even know that he was into. Uh, And and I would and for years that I was on the Marlins beat, I was covering covering them with Clark Spencer, like I said, for seven years. I mean, he would call me whenever the Marlins drafted somebody or they or they signed somebody. And it was like, I mean, the passion this guy had for sports in general. And and I I, like I know I mean, I haven't been to his house, but he tells me that. I mean, the amount of relics that are all over the place of, of history. Of sports history, yeah. dude. He has like honestly newspapers <laughs> when they weren't even printed in color. I mean, like those things are like, like a, you want to talk? I mean, honestly, man, you, you want to talk about having a lot of stuff? Oh my god, I, I went there once. I was like, wow, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he is. Uh, I man, really hope he gets out because I, I just want to talk to him and I and I want him to see how much the community cares for him. You know, this 55,000 help our boy blue on GoFundMe. Go look it up. Yeah. If and if you're listening, uh, help him out because there's going to be a ton of medical bills and a ton of uh expenses. Once I he think gets he's going to be shocked at like how many people were like you, you never know, really. I mean, it's sad that a lot of times you really don't know how many people actually care about you until something tragic happens but it's amazing like you i mean a lot of people you know you look through the list i'm like oh man i know that guy i knew this guy i'm like i didn't even know larry knew these people it's like (laughs) people that are like coming out of the woodwork and it's it just i mean honestly that's the one thing i think he's going to be blown away with with how many people truly care about him and um i mean you know heck man you know it's 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 impressive so well, he's a special guy, and uh, I, I I couldn't start a, a podcast without talking about him and, and his situation because he, having you guys on with how much we've worked together and seen each other over the years, and 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 Larry's always been there. It's he's he's our friend, and I want him to get out of this. So, uh, but I do want to move on to other subjects because if Larry was on the show, he'd tell us to shut up and start talking about recruiting. Uh, that's what he wants to talk about all the time, and and how these in-state programs are sort of panning out. 
And uh, you guys obviously do a great job. I want to plug your guys' podcast, Fish. Where can people get it? Uh, I know you know you guys sort of tackle these same subjects all the time. I don't want to say it's just my podcast because honestly, a lot the podcast wouldn't be what it is without Corey. And I know he's on the phone. I'm. I mean, this podcast. I don't want to you know rub his back too hard, but Corey's a big part of it, and so is Coach Demarest. Um, you know, Corey could tell you a lot more about where to find it. I'm not the tech guy, so I'll let yeah, him speak. So, yeah, I, I handle all the distribution. You can find <laughs> you can find the Fishcast uh, anywhere, really. You know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, obviously on Apple. Um, yeah, Google Podcasts. Like, I ended up uh, we got our distribution deal. I was shocked at how many random places you can find the podcast that now, and of course on Twitter. Uh, at the fish podcast is a, is a, is a great way to reach out to us. And uh, yeah, I, I try to do my part. Fish uh, brings on some wonderful guests. We have some tremendous heavy hitters coming up in the next few months, which is always, that's always exciting time. We get to talk to some coaches. So uh, yeah, th- thanks for the plug. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys do a terrific job. I remember when you had Manny Diaz on there, I mean, you guys get legit guests, I, you know, I, I get guys like Kelvin Harris, former Hurricane, who... Uh, hey, Kelvin has his place. I mean, heck, man. He is the most biased Florida... I mean, Florida say, oh, God, blessed me. I mean, Miami Hurricane fan ever, you know, but hey. Yeah, well, that's that. I, that's as high as I shoot. And I, well, I did do a podcast, the uh, most yeah. recent one with Shamar Stewart and this Jack Pyburn kid who Miami loves out of Jacksonville Bulls. But I, I get recruits on, but you guys, I mean, you guys are another level. I, I got to play catch up with you with, with how you get these coaches. Oh, we got, the I just got a commitment from a new head coach in the power five of um, one of the schools. I told Corey about it. I'm excited. I don't want to drop his name yet, Sure, but I was on the phone with him the other day. He's like, oh, I mean, I'm like, how does this guy even know who I am? I'm like, oh man, but he's um, it's a school that I've never had as a client. They just told me today they're buying my service. So I'm excited. And um Corey's going to Corey's going to be jacked up about this one. He knows who it is. And I know coach Demaris uh, will like it because he's a defensive coach and they'll be able to talk football, but I it's, it's going to be cool. I, I've got a lot of stuff in my head already boiling <laughs> to ask, but um, I really appreciate you pumping our stuff because uh, without people like you pumping it, we, you know, that's how we get a, the word out. So. Hey, you guys are my friends, man. I'm I'm definitely gonna plug your stuff, and I, and oh, I'm gonna man, listen to your stuff too. So we're friends, man. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man. Um, let let's get into this recruiting stuff because I, you know, look, signing day is a week away. We can talk about 22 a little bit later, but I want right. to start with 23 and 24 because Miami just had their elite prospect day. They had like 200 kids on campus from all over the country. They took advantage. Mario's not, not a dumb guy, right? He saw battle Miami's in town, the seven on seven thing. So he says, Hey, let's, let's do our elite prospect day the same day. So we get all these kids uh, to come in and stop by Miami. I of course was there for maybe two or three hours hanging out with a few guys from rivals.com. And, uh, but I was standing right next to the cold stone creamery uh, truck that was parked outside and did you bring uh, your kids or something. I, I mean, didn't. I the- didn't. Br- I didn't bring my kids. I figured this is the place because Saturday, you know, all these seven on seven kids are showing up. Uh, Cormani, McLean, all the guys from the South I Florida Express. I, I can't believe you didn't call me, man. I went. I went with Ethan. 
You did. Okay. Well, I was, it was freezing, man. I got to tell you, I was one of the coldest seven on sevens I've ever been to. Well, you were, you were, I didn't go to the seven. I didn't go to, to Miramar for the, for Oh, you went seven. to the I Miami. Went to Miami. I went to oh, Miami right. because that's where all the kids were, were coming to hang out. So I was right next yeah. to the Coldstone creamery truck and uh, Brett gets, uh, from, from South Florida express buys me a milkshake as we're, as, as all his kids are standing in line. Uh, and, and I'm sitting there sipping on milkshakes, talking to the kids, but I mean, look, Mario, um, it's a different animal. Is it not than what Manny Diaz and his, and I'm not trying to badmouth Manny, but I just think the intensity level of Mario, you guys know Mario from his FIU days, you know, him from his Alabama days, you obviously know him from his Oregon days, uh, for the Miami listener, Knowing Mario, and this is for both of you, you can take turns obviously answering this, but Mario as a recruiter versus maybe what it's been like the last few years at Miami. It's I, uh, I, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, man, oh, I'm sorry, Corey, to interrupt you. I mean, me personally, and and hopefully this doesn't offend some of the coaches. I listen, I think Mario is one of the top recruiters in the country. I mean, I don't want to say he's top five or top ten. I know so many of these guys, and just from the moment I met him. 15 years ago, I mean, even when he was at FIU, he would sell that program like you would honestly believe they were a top five program when he was there. He would convince you this is why he had his reasons why. And by the time you were done and, and Corey seen it, we we saw with, you know, Coach Chiano when he came down here and his Rucker teams were 0 and 11 and Corey got to meet him and see him speak. There's some guys when they speak, the hair on your arm stand up like they they just have a presence about them. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple people that are inside the program and that, you know, he came in and did his introductory um, uh, speech to the team and the coaches. And even they felt that there was something different, something electric, something special. And that's, he's, he's very, it's contagious with Mario. Like you, you buy in the moment you hear words come out of his mouth. And I think a lot of that comes because he played at Miami. He has such a passion about the university of Miami and it means everything to him. Like he literally will die on the sword uh, for that program. And, and, you know, a lot of these coaches, it's not that came prior. It's not that they didn't have the, they didn't have passion or they didn't know how to recruit. He is a Miami guy through and through Corey and I have talked to Demo and Demo's talked about it with these programs. You need to have somebody that comes in that understands that program. Nobody understands that program better than Mario since maybe a Butch Davis or a Jimmy Johnson. Like he understands that program, what it needs. And the thing too, he's been at Alabama. He's seen the process on and off the field, what you need. He's been at Oregon where they have the backing of Nike and they have uh, Phil Knight. He understands what you need. And he's going to bring a lot of that to Miami and, and, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. I can't stress it enough. And, and you saw it once again in the national championship game. And it's not that, listen, I think Kirby's a heck of a coach, but Georgia won this year because they were the best team. They had the most talent. And it's about the Jimmies and Joes. Fans want to talk about development. They want to talk. Listen, there's a lot of programs out there that have good players. And I think the coach, we, talk, we joke about it. I think the coach at Rice is a really good coach. But you ain't getting the same type of players at Rice as you're getting out of Alabama. Go, that's coaching. That guy has to go out and evaluate and coach and find kids. At University of Miami, you pick the kids. That's how it should be. You should be picking from the top pool. And I think that Mario is only going to recruit the very, very best 
of recruiting. I think a lot of coaches before they wanted to, you know, create a new formula, how it works. There's only one formula. Go out and get the very best. Sean Taylor, Najee Davenport, Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis, you know, from, you know, the defensive tackle, Vince Woolfork. These guys, they're Hall of Famers. They were the best of the best in high school. They were, you know, they were the best. Miami got those kids and they won, not because of coaching. And I'm not knocking coaching. You go look at Butch Davis coaching tree. It was, he had the who's who of coaches on his staff, guys that went on and had coaching, you know, head coaching careers and, and assisting but you need a guy that could go out and recruit and Mario's one of the best. And, and you talk to other coaches, college coaches, they'll tell you, Hey, Mario's going to get it done because they know what he's capable in that living room, talking to parents, talking to high school coaches. He understands the landscape of Miami. You know, you have to deal with a lot off the field with so many egos and stuff. Mario doesn't care about that. He wants those kids that bad. He's willing to deal with all the crap that you got to put up with down here to land those kids. And that's why Miami's going to be back. We, the, you know, the fans always say, oh, they use back, they use back. I think this is the first time in probably 15, 20 years you could really say they use back. See, that's why I wanted to go first. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> well, Corey. Um, just to, yeah. just to just to piggyback off that, um, and and for, first I want to say is that he has a tremendous amount of charisma. He's not just a good recruiter. Mario's a flashy recruiter, and it that you know, and, and I don't say that to say that he lacks substance, but there's a certain level of presentation that he brings that separate. Like Brian Kelly is a good recruiter at, at, at LSU Notre Dame. There's nothing flashy about Brian Kelly. Like, you're not really, like, interested in what Brian Kelly – like, Mario has a presence about him. He walks into a room. You know he's in the room. You see him work the room. You see the way he smiles, the way he, 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 you know, he taps people on the shoulder. There's just some guys that have that presence, that have that charisma, that, that can demand that sort of attention, and he's one of those guys. And, you know, those things play well. Those things always play big when it comes to – high school, you know, to high school recruiting because, you know, he's a guy you want to play for because, you know, you see the way he, you see the way he carries himself. You see the way he dresses. You see the, you know, he's a, he's, you know, he's a handsome guy. Like, you know, you kind of want to be like, I mean, I want to be like coach. I want to be around coach. And there's just certain things, there's certain, you know, very, very visual things about Mario that, also make him a great recruiter. And, and, you know, Miami hasn't had a real flashy recruiter that can, that has that sort of charisma since probably since Jimmy, you know, it's been years. I mean, Schellenberger, you know, he, he started building the things because he had a level of, he had his pipe, he had some flash, he had that charisma. He was funny. You know, kids could kind of, kids could make fun of his voice. Like he had little things that, 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 that resonated with kids. And obviously Jimmy came in and, you know, Jimmy just embraced the community and everything about it. Like he loved hanging around the inner cities. He loved being in those rough areas. And, you know, those kids respected him and they loved the fact that, you know, coach was, you know, unafraid to come to those areas and push the program. And, you know, that he loved, he loved every part of being in Miami. And, you know, and, you know, Mario's a Miami guy. You know, this is this is where he is. And I mean, 
Manny, Manny Diaz is a obviously Manny Diaz's roots are deeply entrenched in the city of Miami, but I, I think it's you know it's a little different, and it's not to say that Manny's a bad guy or Manny did Manny did the best that he could, and but Mario's best is going to be better at the end of the day, and that 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 means a lot. And there, there's certain things he has to get done. Obviously, we'd like to, he'd like to get some coordinators in there. To help out, there's some questions that are unanswered, but you know he, he he's okay with carrying the water to a, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I don't think he had another coach on his staff at FIU, you know, outside of maybe you know Frank Pond. So, like, uh, you know, so he can he can do this for a while, and you know, it's not surprising to see these top kids coming in during a weekend because you know he's gonna. Because those kids want to play for him. They know who he is. They know what he's about. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, they'll fly from as far as Tacoma, Washington to, to come hang out with them, pay their own way to get there. I mean, Jaden Wayne, one of the uh, one of the five stars in the 2023 class, as I was standing out there sipping on my milkshake, uh, <laughs> Jaden Wayne walks by, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm like, man, you flew six hours with your family. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I really like coach Cristobal. I really, I really just want to be uh, around him and check out Miami and see what it's all about. And, and, you know, I don't know that Manny had that kind of pull. And again, I'm not trying to bash Manny. I'm just trying to, to make the point that, you know, yeah, man, we might want to have Manny on as a guest on the fish cast again. You know, he's the D coordinator at like Penn state. We don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not but, here to knock. I'm not here to knock. Yeah, him. I'm just here to, I'm just here to say, man, like Mario's been there for a month and he's got kids taking six hour flights to come to paying their own way to come be a part of an elite prospect. And he wasn't the only one, this Wayne kid. I mean, they had the, the number one cornerback uh, in California come out. I mean, they I mean, the, the kind of kids that they were trying, I think there were 10 five stars on campus over the weekend in total as far as the uh, 247 sports composite rankings. And and, you know, it's just the pull and talking to, to Brett Getz. Um, you know, from from uh, the South Florida Express, Brett Brett's had obviously so many great players. Duke Johnson, um, you know, he's got Brashard Smith, who's at Miami now. Yep. Um, a ton of a ton of guys that he's produced, and you know, he was telling me that I was asking him. I said, "Well, what do you think?" And he says, "Yeah, the enthusiasm Mario creates is what's bringing all these kids down here, and it's got them pumped. He thinks they're going to do better, but at the same time, he says, "Hey." Mario's still gonna have to win, dude. Like he's still gonna have to win. Like they, Miami, Miami can't go out and go eight and four and 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 pull in these kids from across the country. You got to back it up with winning. But to win, you need to play. You know, I, I remember this conversation with when Greg and I hate to bring it up, but Greg was at Rutgers and they were trying to land the top kids in New Jersey, and the New Jersey coaches were like, "Well, we are not gonna go there till they win." It's like, well, they're not gonna win without you going there. It's it goes hand in hand. Right. And like it, you have if you believe Mario is a guy and Mario is the coach that's going to turn it around, then some of these guys, Jimbo did it at Florida State. I mean, Florida State wasn't very good. He convinced the James Wilders, the Jeff Lux, the LaMarcus Joiners to go there when it wasn't cool. Like, I think Mario can do that. And then they are going to win. They're, the more talent you have and the more you stack, you're going to win in college football. I mean, it, it just like I said. He's Mario is a good enough coach. I mean, he's proven it at Oregon. I mean, listen, they, yeah, they didn't play in the playoffs and they didn't win a national title at Oregon while he was there, but they did go to two Pac-12 championships. I think he won two or three Pac. He won two Pac-12 championships and played for a third. The guy's a winner. He's gonna win at Miami. Um, but you were talking about it. 
with who he's brought in. I think a lot of that has to come down to believing in your product that you, that's the value of your program. I think before, and I'm not knocking coaches, the, the, I don't, I'm not saying they were afraid to go after some of these kids on the West coast or this or that, but it's believing that the university of Miami is this great place to go and, and, and relaying that over to these recruits where they're like, Oh man, I got to go check that out. We talked about it with Demo when he was at Hawaii. I remember listening to his recruiting pitch and you know, you really thought you were on South beach in, in Hawaii. And it's this wonderful paradise. And, and I mean, he would make, and these kids are like, coach, one guy come out there and visit, like the coach has to have that passion and make you believe. And that's what Mario is so good. And we've talked about this before. And Corey will tell you the same thing. The more of these kids you get on campus, it's a numbers game. If you get enough elite kids, you're going to pull these kids. You may not pull all of them, but you're going to pull enough that you're going to get that program from seven to eight wins. Now, now the next goal for Miami is 10 wins and, 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 and win the coastal and play in the ACC title game. That should be the next step. And if I believe Mario could do that, they're close. I mean, their, their program's in good shape. I mean, Manny left it in very good shape. They got the most important position in quarterback. So it's the wins are going to come. Now it's just adding more uh, pieces to the puzzle, and I think he's going to get that done as well. I think I think the the early success in recruiting is going to come from identifying those blue chip kids that I don't want to say that they're layups, but that they really want to go to Miami. They would go to Miami whether they were ten and two or whether if they were six and six. Uh, and that to me that that's always your building block is identifying those couple of kids, and there's usually two or three that are top-end kids that just want to be at Miami, getting them on board early and allowing and you know and, and allowing them to kind of spread the word. I mean, some of your best recruiting is done by the kids in your class, and it's going to be on him to identify those kids early and get them on board early. And allow them to and, and allow them to bring allow them to bring credibility to the group because good players want to play around other good players. At the end of the that's what separates college football from you know from from the NFL is that there there really is no parity because you can't you know you can't you can't limit how many blue chippers one school is going to sign. So as long as you get players early, you can identify them early and players that that can attract other kids that, that, that other kids are excited to think about playing with it. it it'll, it'll, it'll do wonders. And I believe he'll be able to do that. Uh, not, not that um, 247 sports is the final authority on how good a recruiting class is <clears throat> year to year, but look, uh-huh. si- 65 players in the state of Florida in the class of 2023 are ranked uh, four star recruits are better. I think there's nine, according to them, nine, five star uh, recruits. A lot of these guys were on Miami's campus. Brett was saying, um, Brett Getz from, from South Florida Express was saying that, you know, he feels like 23 and 24 might be two, you know, back to back, two of the best recruiting classes in the state, um, you know, that, that, that there's been in a while. How do you guys feel about the talent in the next two cycles? Oh, it's, it's pretty good this year. I mean, you got a lot of top end talent. Um, every year you're going to have top end talent. It's just, it's a deeper pool. It's um, it's a very good year. I mean, wide receiver is just ridiculous. Last year was probably one of the worst. And this year you've got probably four or five, five-star receivers uh, from Brandon Innes 
leading the group to Jalen Brown. Uh, Hakeem Williams was out there at the um, seven-on-seven the other day. There's a kid you want to talk about a layup. He wants to go to Miami. The kid looks like you look at the A.J. Browns and the Julio Jones. Hakeem Williams looks like one of those kids. You know, you he runs different. He has – he adjusts well to the ball. I mean, his body, his, he's just fluid. Um, you just look about the, that kid, everything about him, his size, his speed, and he wants to go to Miami. He may be one of their early commitments. Corey was just talking about it. If they are able to get those guys to pull the trigger early, uh, you know, that ball's going to get rolling. It's going to be hard to stop. Corey, Cormani, uh, um, McLean, the uh, the cornerback who's ranked right now as the number one player in the state according to two four seven. He was down there with his mom um, early on when you when you got parents involved in the process, taking visits with their kids. I got to imagine that's a good sign for Miami. And and I know he's got a great relationship with Demarcus Van Dyke, but he is the number one player in the state. Um, what do you, how, who do you think? And when you guys look at it and put your heads together, who do you guys view as maybe the top five in twenty twenty three for for uh, for the state? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll let Fish. Fish is more of the uh, the ranker than I am. I will say that Kermani McClain goes to Lake Gibson High School like I did, class of 1994. So we're very proud of uh, Kermani, and uh, he's a thoroughbred. I mean, I, I had a chance to watch him a few times this past year, and uh, that's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a game changer at the position. And I, and I do want to say that these upcoming classes, 23-24, they're as good as in the in the skill in the offensive skill positions as I've seen in the state in the last few years. Like as Fish said, this past year, kind of a you know not not the most not not the best group of wide not the best wide receiver class the state's seen at times. You know some areas have been slipping a little bit, but in terms of offensive skill, twenty three and twenty four are back where we expect Florida to be back to where we were used to seeing Florida over the last decade. I'll let Fish do the top five. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, Cor- Cormani McLean will definitely be one of the top five. I mean, you're talking a, a corner. I don't, when you look at the, the elite kids we've seen, whether it's a Patrick Sertain coming out, um, even when Vernon Hargraves Jr. came out, um, those guys like that, Patrick Peterson, this kid's probably got that skill set to that level. I mean, he's a legit shutdown corner, got the size, the length. I think Brandon Ennis, um, he's been around so long. He's been around since eighth grade. It's 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 crazy. I think a lot of times when guys are around that long, they they get over evaluated and people start to nitpick. And when you go to these events, Brandon Ennis is still one of the elite best players in the country. Forget about Florida just the country um, running back wise. It's a great year. You got two elite running backs in Richard young. You also have the running back from uh, American heritage plantation. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, he's very good. Mark, it's, Mark Fletcher. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Yeah. Mark Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jalen Brown at a Gulliver prep, you know, people were talking about Travis Hunter last year being one of the top players in the country. Their games are very similar. Jalen Brown's got, kind of the same build. He's a, a long athletic kid. What's crazy about Jalen, he's one of those kids that when you go to watch him play, you're like, all right, how's this? And then all of a sudden he makes one move and he's by guys. 
I think as good of a wide receiver as he can, he is, I think he could be a first round pick one day as a corner. I just think he has elite level uh, cover, you know, cover skills. He needs a little work on his technique. Um, Those are some of the top guys. Um, And then, you know, IMG Francis, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. My, my Yogia or -hmm. whatever. I I can't pronounce this. Yeah. Six, uh, six, three. Six six three twenty five. You don't need to pronounce yeah. it. You just need to put his yeah. height and weight out. Yeah, and then <laughs> I mean they've got a few guys, but Malik Bryan, who was at IMG's back at Jones High School, I like a lot. It's just a very good year um, for you know just all different positions. Like I said, running back and wide receiver were down last year to levels I've never seen the state of Florida. To this year, they're back up to like these are nationally rated. They're not regional guys. I I, I always told you I rank guys nationally rated elite and then regional elite this year there's a lot of national elite guys where you have the alabamas ohio states the lsus everybody's going to be in here plus all the florida schools so there's going to be some nice battles but a lot of these kids you talk to them a lot of them do want to stay in state and it's it's surprising this is a year i think you could see the script flipped if some of these florida schools could kind of turn it around yeah, it's it statistically wise, right? These rankings. I mean, uh, it wasn't a great year for Florida keeping talent in state. I mean, Florida State oh. has the highest ranked class, 17th, 16 commitments. Of course, they lost their best player uh, to uh, to Deion Sanders in Jackson State. And uh, and then uh, what is it? Florida's 26th right now with 15 commitments and Miami's 37th with uh, with 10 commitments. But things have changed, obviously, a ton, man, because of the yeah. because of the transfer portal. And, and how these guys are sort of working it. Miami just finished hiring this kid, Andrew Rogers, out of Michigan State. He's 26 years old. Uh, he, he basically uh, helped that Michigan State program uh, bring in a, a boatload of, of transfers. And you saw what happened with Michigan State. They went from being one of the worst teams in the Big Ten to winning 11 games, including the, the Peach Bowl. Um, Corey, go ahead. I know, you're, I know you want to jump in and say something. Go ahead. Well, I, I think there's, a, you know, there's an opportunity – for the new coaches, that's Mario, that's Billy Napier at Florida, to come in and reestablish Florida, you know, reestablish those schools and schools that are going to be tough to beat in state. Uh, no offense to Mike Norvell, who I like, who Fish likes, and who's a, you know, is a tremendously decent guy. They've done a really bad job of recruiting in state at Florida State. Like, they haven't really attacked Florida like I thought they would. So there's an opening. And the one thing that, you know, the one thing that Mario did right away, you know, and Jack Kelly, you know, signs with signs with the group. Um, oh, there's another player. I can't even think of his name right now. Cyrus remember, Moss. Yeah. So I, no, not Cyrus Moss. Cause he's a, he's out of state kid. But there were a couple of kids that were local mm-hmm. and I, I remember telling fish this and I said, you know, right away he's establishing that South Florida is going to be in play for Miami again. That South Florida is going to be that Miami is going to be tough to beat in South Florida. That Alabama and Georgia aren't just going to swipe through, get what they want, and, and, and run out again. And it was the same thing when, uh, you know, Billy Napier got a kid named Kamari Wilson, who was, uh, goes to IMG, who's originally from uh, out there, that, that, uh, Fort Pierce. that Fort Pierce, that, yeah, that area out there. And as I say, that, okay, Billy Napier is also saying, hey, I'm going to go after some in-state kids. We're going to be tough in-state. And that's the one thing that's been missing. That was the one thing many at times struggled with was being tough in-state, especially on the top-end kids. 
Dan Mullen was at, you know, for the was just all over the place recruiting. Like I said, Mike Norvell hasn't particularly that that, that staff hasn't particularly went out there and, and made been keeping Florida kids in state a, a priority. So there's an opportunity for that to happen right now. Yeah, and and look, he's from a Mario Cristobal perspective and Miami perspective, they're in hard on on Shamar Stewart. Uh, he said. Uh, both on my, my recent podcast episode and, and you know, Mo Marquez, his position coach at Pace, have told me that Mario taking over the recruiting has completely changed the outlook for Miami. Um, that the fact that, that Mario the first day brings him into the coach's office, that's something Manny Diaz, he said, had never done. And, and just, you know, making him a priority, going after him hard, even though he's going against, uh, you know, two really good SEC programs in Georgia and Texas A&M. Mario doesn't care. He's going after this kid hard. Um, and now he's trying to add this Jack Pyburn kid out of Bulls who, um, you know, I guess was sort of under the radar. He's not even, I think he's a three-star kid. He's ranked somewhere like 1100 in the uh, 247 sports composite, but he's a wrestling kid. He's, he's six, three, uh, six, four, 260, got a good body. And, and, and Mario absolutely loves this kid and, and Auburn's trying to get him as well. Uh, so those are the two finalists, but um, you know, he's, he's making the effort, like you guys said, to go in state and, br- and bring some of these kids, keep some of these kids home. And if he can land Shamar Stewart, I think that sends one of these, these, you know, sort of a strong message to everybody in the country that, hey, man, you know, you, he went head to head against Georgia and a and and was able to keep this kid home. Um, that's obviously a very strong message. I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Pyburn. Did either of you watch him at, at Bulls? I know Bulls wasn't necessarily a, a, a state. They weren't a state champion this year, right? So, yeah, I mean, I watched his film. I You, you see some things you like. He has some. Uh... He, he definitely closes well and finish. You know, he finishes. A lot of guys will come in and when they tackle now, they just, you know, grab and clutch and, and just bring a guy down. He does finish. You see him hit guys and then go backwards. I think, you know, if, you know, you look at guys, Miami's got guys like this before, like a Matt Walters. Um, you know, not every guy is going to be a starter. Not every guy is going to be an elite player. This guy maybe come in. We've talked about this. Is This is – you have to – put numbers on the O-line and D-line. And I have no problem taking a kid like this because he's on the D-line. You never know what you're going to get. The kid was committed from to Minnesota. I, You know, I'm a big P.J. Fleck fan. I think he does a great job of evaluating him. He spotted this kid before anybody else and had his commitment. So I think he could provide, you know, a depth piece. He's a guy that could probably um, swallow up a lot of minutes and be a very productive player. Is he going to be a star? Probably not, but we've talked about it over and over. You take as many D-line and O-line, and with the transfer portal now, if a kid doesn't work out, what did you lose, you know, at the end of the day? You can never have enough O-line, D-line. Just keep – it's it's like pitching, <laughs> pitching in baseball. You keep drafting those pitchers till you have enough of them. You can never have enough of them. So I don't have a problem with the take if this kid goes to University of Miami. Yeah, uh, you know the game's one of the trenches, and uh, the one thing, I, I, the one good thing about Pyburn is I think he can kind of he can play some outside for you. Uh, you know, maybe not. A, he's probably not a natural rush in, more of a containment guy, guy that can set the edge. He, he's he's at a size where he can put on some weight and give you some interior minutes too. End up playing some three tech, you know, however you want to, however you want to run your, um, however you want to run your defense. And that, you know, having an inside-out guy that's got some versatility that, you know, might not be a starter, but might be 
you know, first, second guy off the bench that can fill in some gaps. You know, guys get injured. You know, you can trust them to play other positions outside of a primary one. It, those those depth pe- those pieces like that, those depth pieces are they're very valuable. They're very valuable because you're not because as we know, you're not going to get through the season play with your with your starting front four. It just doesn't happen. And uh, you know, and you need guys that can come in and provide quality minutes. So I look at it as especially during this period, which I can I call the secondary period. Once you get past the way early signing day is now, this is kind of the secondary period for outside of like the Shamar Stewart and the few remaining blue chippers. You're really trying to hit on some kids that you know might not necessarily be starters, but that can whether they provide really good special teams play. Or you know some really good options as uh, as rotational pieces. This is an opportunity for that. This is that sort of guy. I think he'd be good on special teams. I think he'll be good as a rotational defensive piece, and uh, you know it's somebody that somebody that provides some value to the roster. Now, one thing Shamar Stewart told me last night when we did that interview was he wants to see who Miami hires as defensive coordinator, and obviously that's important, right, for the twenty twenty two kids. Not so much the 2023 and 24 because Mario has somebody in place. But, you know, Mario took some heat last week nationally. People were saying, oh, uh, you know, a couple of offensive coordinators reportedly turned him down. Kendall Bryles, uh, who we know that he was after for a while, having conversations with over at Arkansas. Uh, and then Jason Candle, who's the head coach over at Toledo. Uh, there was a report saying that, you know, he turned Miami down as well. That said, um, having conversations with people around Mario and, and, and knowing sort of the situation, he's a guy who is taking a long, deep dive into every single one of these guys he's interviewing. And not only is he looking for who the best match at Miami is, but marrying sort of the offensive scheme to the defensive scheme. Because as you guys know, you can have a hurry-up offense, up-tempo offense that spreads the field and scores a bunch of points or tries to score a bunch of points. But if you don't, if you don't have a defensive coordinator... <laughs> who can get these guys to tackle and play well and kind of what happened to Miami, right? Fourth and 14 against Florida state, all, all those sort of breakdowns that they had, um, then, then you're, you're going to probably lose a lot of games. So Mario's taking his time. You guys know Mario's hiring history and how he, how he takes a long uh, approach to this. He also mentioned, you know, fact that there's nine NFL head coaching vacancies and how, um, you know, essentially, there's going to be a lot of moving parts here, not just at the pro level, but essentially the college level guys who end up switching jobs, moving to different places. There's a report yesterday, you know, the receivers coach, uh, Brian McClendon from Miami could be going to Georgia, his alma mater, where he coached with Mark Rick for, for a while. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that have to be made. That said, what do you think of Mario's hiring practices and taking as long as he has uh, through this process? You, I, I could jump in, Corey, if you want. I, I don't see any issue with how long it's taking. I think everybody wants to rush, rush, rush. There's no reason to anymore. There's an early signing day. Now there's a late signing day. They're only in on like two or three from a recruiting standpoint. It really doesn't matter. Shamar could say, Hey, uh, I, I want to see who they hire this at DC at the end of the day, he's either going to Miami because that's where he wants to go. And he trusts Mario or he's not. I mean, it's <laughs> these programs are going to have coaches come and go and, the, these kids need to learn that that that's part of the process. You're, you're not going to probably be coached by most of these coaches for more than two or three years. He's taking his time. If anybody wants to really argue Mario in his coaching search, let me bring this up. 
He's had he had Satterfield um, as one of his coordinators at FIU before the guy was a well-known coach. He had Jeff Collins as his defensive coordinator. He's had Arroyo. Uh, uh, he has a Ronson, um, the coach. He has a coach at Boise State, the head coach, the UNLV. He's put out, I believe, now five he- uh, head coaches in in, in uh, Division One football. He can find coaches. He has a very good eye for coaches. I there's no doubt in my mind he's going to put together a very good staff. You already look. He's brought in Kevin Smith, who I think is a very good addition to their staff. You see some of the other coaches he's brought in. I think the guy's going to do a good job. And just be patient. Why? There's no reason to rush. He needs to go out and find the very best guys. And there's as long as he gets good coaches, what does it matter if it takes three days or it takes two months? It doesn't really matter. He's going to have guys in place before spring football starts, and that doesn't happen until March. So he's got time. I'm sure he's going to get the right guys. I don't know how Corey feels about it, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. I mean, I don't, I don't think he, uh, he, he hoped it would take this long, and that you know you'd have this many people. I mean, you know, it's never. I, I agree with you in the sense that you know there's no rush. Patience is fine. I, I think you never like being publicly turned down. It's always that's always that's always tough to deal with, especially when. It's clear that these are guys that you want. I mean, you wouldn't offer them the job if you didn't want them, and you wouldn't offer them the job if you thought they were going to turn you down. So that you know, that's not ideal. But again, like the the last two coordinators he had at Oregon, they're both t- they're both on the head coaching jobs this year. Uh, there's there's a million. You were just at the coaching convention, fish. There's no shortage of coaches out there. Trust oh me. my. God, there's so, plenty of guys looking for jobs. And I mean, yeah. like, coaches you wouldn't even imagine that are very yeah. good coaches that could be – maybe they were a former coordinator. They could now come in and be a position coach. There's plenty of guys, you know. And these I, – I just – like I said, one of the coaches I knew went from um, Alabama. He's now going to another program. And the guy's a very good coach. And these guys are around. There's not, like, a small pool of coaches you're pulling from and you're like, oh, man, I missed out on that guy. I can't find another good coach. There's plenty of guys that could coach at a high level. And like I said, Mario has a very good eye for talent. He's he's found those guys before, and he found them when they weren't well-known coaches, and they are yeah. now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I think, you know, given, that, given Mario's history and his own resume as a coach, I, I do think he's looking for certain things out of coordinators because he's not – I mean, you know, for – you know, he, you know, like any coach, he has his tremendous strengths and he also has some flaw, some weaknesses. And, I, you know, he's, he's never been a coordinator for very long. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, a, a reliable play caller or anything like that. He's much more of a CEO coach. He's much more of a big picture guy. Uh, you know, he's obviously going to be very much involved in offensive line coaching and, in, you know, being strong and strength pro, you know, things like that. Infrastructure. As I said, the infrastructure of a football team with the line. Uh, so, yeah, so he's looking for the coordinators that he's looking for are going to be guys that have play calling experience, that definitely work with the quarterbacks, that, you know, the defensive side, they have play calling experiences. It's a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility being a coordinator under Mario. So there's just there's certain guys that are going to fit that bill. Not everybody's going to fit that bill. And I know there's a lot of fans that are going to say, what about this guy? What about that guy? And you have to understand that 
there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a coordinator under Mario. He's going to put a lot on those guys. Yeah, and, and he wants to get it right, and he wants to get the best guys. And you know what? He's got the biggest budget in the ACC. You know, I, I had Rudy Fernandez, the uh, chief of staff at Miami, uh, who, who, you know, the school president put on as far as making the change with Blake James and Manny Diaz and then going after Mario and Dan Radakovich, the athletic director from from Clemson. And, you know, the, Miami's going to spend a boatload of money. I've, I've told fans over and over again on this podcast and different places, the most important thing is that Miami's in the game financially, and that's something that – they didn't always do. I mean, they had their ACC money um, and, and you know, they kind of were content, you know, uh, hiring guys like Mark Richt and, and, and you know, Manny Diaz promoting him after what he the success he had. But in terms of investing into the entire staff and paying guys top dollar and making sure that, you know, you got developmental staff around the kids, all of that is beginning to change now under Mars. It's becoming a much more well-rounded program. Um, than it's ever been. And I think those are the kind of key changes that nowadays you want to get the Jerry and Joe's, as you said, fish, you got to have all of the, uh, all of the little tricks to get them there. Right. All the, all, the, all the help. And of course they've got this uh, guy, John Ruiz, uh, the lawyer, the billionaire lawyer down here, who's signing guys to NIL contracts left and right. To me, you see this program from afar. Uh, I'm sure you guys see this and say, yeah, it, it looks like Miami's getting serious. I, I believe they're getting serious. I mean, they, they proved it when they went out and they paid Mario what they're paying him. I mean, they didn't do that in the past. They would, they've always, that's not something they would have done five years, 10 years ago. They decided, listen, we want to bring Mario back. We're going to have to, they had <laughs> to pay for him. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they didn't, that's not something they were comfortable doing in the past. And he told them, listen, for me to come here, you're going to have to have an OC or a DC that's top one or two paid in the conference. You're going to have to have, um, you know, uh, position coaches that are, we can't have guys that are the lowest paid at their position coaches anymore. Because listen, at the end of the day, a lot of these coaches, it's not just a coach that's making the decision. It's their wife. They're, they're, they're very involved. Are the school, you know, it's what type of schooling, what type of environment they're going to be in. It goes. So if Miami has some drawbacks to it, because it's a bigger city and some of these wives and don't want their kids in these small, uh, this bigger city and that maybe the schools aren't what they like compared to a smaller Miami's going to have to overpay to convince even the wife to come or this or that, or the family, because it is, it's a, it's a culture shock for a lot of these families. Uh, Miami, if they if they're not from a big city, so um, it's more expensive to live there. Um, the cost of living is more expensive. Like I said, the schooling, everything, a lot of this comes into effect. And Miami before had a smaller pool to pull from. Now they're in the big boy pool. They're going to be able to pull from um, coaches that uh, probably would have decided to go to SEC, and they want to play for the top. You know, the top prize. Now they're not they're not worried about just. Hey, listen, let's get to the ACC championship. You're either all in or you're all out in this business. And Miami wants to be all in. And you can see it just based on what they uh, provided to Mario already. Um, He's going to have a big staff. He's going to have a big support staff. They're going to fix all the issues they've had off the field as well. And that's a testament to what they've done, the people that they've brought in off the field to help make this happen. And I, I think Miami fans are going to be very happy over the next couple of years. All right. 
Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the thing. I mean, when you look at their history of hiring coaches, like you go back to, um, you know, Larry Coker was on on Butch's staff, and uh, Randy Shannon. I think he came in after that. Well, he was on the staff, and Al Golden came in from Temple, and you know they got Manny, who had just gotten hired at Temple. Like they were not, they were not. Bidding against, they were not. I mean, obviously, you had Mark Rick, who had just gotten fired from Georgia, was kind of the higher profile guy, but they weren't going against other Power Five schools. The fact that they would want to engage in a bidding war with Oregon, who was more than willing to bid to keep Mario there, and that they would win that battle. I mean, yeah, Mario loves Miami, he's a Miami guy, yada, yada, yada. He wasn't coming for three million a year, I can tell you that much. So they had to pony up a considerable amount of money and show a considerable amount of commitment to football that this program has never shown before. Let's be honest. I mean, even when they were winning, they were winning because of location, because they had very crafty coaches that knew what they were doing. And many of those hires, you know, they, they got some breaks in some of those hires. But, you know, as realism has, you know, slapped them in the face over the past 20 years, it was going to take a lot more than just location and, you know, and people talking about how great the U was back in 1985. You know, they were actually going to have to show some financial commitment, and they've done that. Last question for both of you. Who wins the national championship first in-state? Which in-state school is the first to uh, to raise a national championship trophy again? UCF. UCF, says Corey. All right, UCF. Uh, I'm dead-ass serious. <laughs> I think UCF might be the first to do it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with Corey just because – uh, now that they're going to be in the Big 12 conference, they're going to be able to recruit head-to-head um, against Miami, Florida, Florida State. They, and their path is probably going to be the easiest of all the schools. And, yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see them. I, I always said, and Corey can remembers we had these discussions when um, O'Leary was there, and at first he was – it wasn't a hundred percent sure, but once he saw their commitment to football and the, what UCF has done, he started to come around and he agreed. We both agree, man. It's a, it's one of the best jobs, not only in Florida, but the country. I think UCF has a legit shot at you know, uh, winning a national title. It's not, it's not some joke and fans can laugh about it, but they have a legitimate shot at winning. So I'll say UCF as well. Hey, I, I listen, you guys are entitled to your opinions. I just uh, I, I know UCF has 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 made a ton of progress over the years, uh, but I go back and I think to Alabama and Cincinnati in the playoff. And yes, Cincinnati kept it close for a half. But ultimately, you know, to win at that level, I think it starts with offensive and defensive line play. And I don't know that UCF's ever going to recruit to that level. They haven't so far in terms yeah, of but that elite remember- level. Yeah, remember that UCF team that beat Auburn a couple of years ago? They actually beat an SEC school, and that UCF team was very, very good. Like nobody would want to have played them. Yeah, I, like the, I, when I say UCF, I don't, I don't even look at that team. Yeah. I look at the team that, that beat Baylor. They, that beat Baylor when they were in a quote-unquote power conference, yeah. and they had Blake Bortles, who was a top-five yeah. NFL pick. They had, yeah. an, they had NFL players. Our buddy Dave Kelly always says that, like, that was an NFL team. NFL players on that team. And going in the Big 12 and having a guy, having a guy with that, with, with knowledge of how to do it, like Gus Malzahn, helping you make that transition, I think makes a big difference. I look at the kids that they've brought in recruiting wise. I look at the kids that are bringing in the transfer portal. 
And I'm like, okay, I, I see what they're doing. Believe me, they're not. And ask Florida how soft they are in the trenches right now. Ask Florida <laughs> yeah. how soft they are. Yeah. Believe me, when you got a kid rushing for 150 yards and 35 carries and breaking them down, ask Florida how soft they are. Yep. All right. All right. Listen, you guys can defend UCF. All I'm going to say is that was a pretty bad Florida team, too. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, you know, down the road. I want to see UCF succeed. I, I'd like for it to be a legitimate big I mean, of, of the big three. I mean, I would say Miami, you know, just because I think, you know, Florida, Florida, I think um, Napier has a, a big task ahead of him. I, one, I don't I don't think they have a great roster and he cleared out a lot. And Florida State right now, it's they're two, three years away from um, really competing in the ACC and, and playing for an ACC title. That They're just starting the process. Even though they're in year three, they're still starting the process of flipping that roster and getting actual talent that can help you win the games that matter. I mean, yeah, they beat Miami last year, but it's still to win consistently week in and week out. They're not there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's uh... – I, you know, it's hard for me to answer that question because I, again, I, 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 I know what Mario's capable of. I want to see the product. I have an idea what Billy Napier could possibly do, but again, like there's a there's a lot of work there to, to be done. I think, uh, you know, I think Florida State's kind of over. They've kind of overplayed their rebuild a bit. They've kind of they, they kind of talked themselves into a much longer rebuild than they needed to have, you know, by convincing themselves that they were a little bit worse than they were. And you know, so I need to see that's why that's why I say UCF, because I look at of the schools, which is a school that I think can actually compete for that that right now has the product that when I say two like when UCF walks in the Big 12 two years from now, I think they can compete for that conference. Probably not beat Oklahoma or Texas if they have to play them, but they can compete the top three, top four in that conference in, in a fourteen-team conference. Like I, I have to see the products at the other three schools for it so that they could be top three, top two, make a championship game, something like that. There's a long way to go. Listen, and there's a lot if... of winning that has to be done, and there are kids on these rosters that have yet to show, as talented as they are, have yet to show that they can play at that level. You know, to win at a high level, it takes a lot more than just having a good arm or having, you know, a nice running back room. You know, you have to have a lot of things in place. Corey. And, you know, I have to see that these things are going to be in place. Corey, if in two years Dave Aranda could get them in the conversation for the playoffs at Baylor, like, you could get there at UCF in two years in that kind Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, there's, and that's there's, why I said that Florida State is to run an overplayed their rebuild. Like, I want to see how these – I want to see how – I want to see what these schools, like, really do. Like, you know, we – you – you know, I, it's just hard to – until you see it, it's hard to say it's going to happen. And that's why, like I said, that's why we both say UCF because at least I can see them. Right now, I can see them in a spot. Like you said, Fish, they can compete right away in the Big 12. Yeah. All right. It's going to be interesting to see, man, what happens here these next few years. Um, for Miami fans, I think there's just a lot of excitement, and, and now there's expectations, I think legit expectations for them to uh, to be good with the roster they have. Guys, thank you both for uh, for doing this. One more plug here for our boy Blue. Uh, make sure uh, you go to his um, 
his page here to donate if you can. Um, it's on the GoFundMe page. Help our boy Blue, Larry Bluestein. Guys, it was fun, man. It was fun catching up and just talking football with you and, and doing the show. I appreciate it. No, I definitely. Catch up with you, man. Yeah, I'm glad you still. I'm glad you still remember us, little people. You know, as you as you as you as you race up the ladder of success. No yeah. doubt, man. Yeah, well, when I when I finally get there, which I don't know when that's going to happen, but when I get there, I'm definitely calling you guys. I have you on the podcast then again. Do you still uh, live in the most backwoods area of Broward County, too? I do. Yeah, Way out yeah, west, baby. Yeah, I don't know if there was that much farmland in Broward County until I saw where you lived. Yeah, dude, what? he's got his. Uh, he has alligators as pets. All right, so. <laughs> Good. Gentlemen, lots of fun. Make sure you, you check out uh, Corey Long, Charles Fishbine on the Fishcast. Great podcast. Guys, thanks again. Thanks. Take care. I'm the new kid in town about to take this crown.